Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to our another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm the host, Eric Acker, with Karen. Hey, guys. Uh, so we are recording this Wednesday morning, and <laughs> we're going to try to publish it here real quick so we at least keep the day publications out, <laughs> the weekly publications out on the same day. But uh, we wanted to just do a, a quick update before we kind of get into our more themed uh, episodes for the end end of this season, I guess. Um, if you hear any background noise, our kids are running around in the back like crazy people, and Evie is with us as well. <laughs> so, okay, been up since five. <laughs> what are some, um, I guess, updates as far as like what we've been working on the last week? Right. So we've been having loads and loads of thunderstorms here, so we haven't been able to do a lot of the outside work um, of the house. So we, Eric, last week replaced our screen door, and. We have been slowly working on decluttering and getting rid of things and just packing away stuff that we know we want to keep, but we aren't currently using, which is nice. Um, We also went through the pre-approval process for a professional loan. So that is for, is it just for medical students or is it for like dentists? I believe it's like dentists or medical, medical, um, residents and dentists. I don't think it's generally for, um, anyone else. If you, if you're drawing a salary already, you don't necessarily need a professional loan. If you, it's to me, and I could be wrong. I'm not a lender. Uh, not financial advice in any ways possible, but it's a, a typical loan that is built for, Projection of income. Projection of income, yeah. So you have to have like a signed contract with a program in order to close on a house and get your your funding. And then they will project, like, okay, you have a guaranteed salary for X number of years. So therefore, that we can calculate how much money you are approved to have for a loan for a house. So we we did that. And there's different um, structures of these loans. And uh, we took one that is... Not one that I think we would typically take if we, uh, in any any other situation, but. Yeah, so our first home loan was a USDA. Yeah, USDA. USDA loan. Um, <clears throat> and it was a 30-year fixed because we had a good interest rate at the time. This loan, we are looking at an ARM, which for you guys who have not, maybe have not bought a home before, um, the first five years is fixed, and then the next however many years um, the loan is made for. So it, if it's a th- traditional 30-year loan, it's going to be 25 years. It's um, called... It's Adjustable, variable. yeah, adjustable <laughs> rate mortgage or something <laughs> like that. It Basically, it will the, the interest rate will fluctuate with the current interest rate of the time. And so uh, right now where the interest rate is very high, uh, that means that the interest rate on the loan can be very high. But for the first five years of the loan, it is fixed. Right. And the reason why we are looking at this is because it's fixed at a lower interest rate than 
a traditional yeah. thirty-year mortgage. Yeah, a, a conventional loan, it would be like probably like six point something. And this in this particular case, I think they offered a five point five, but of course that that number changes daily because of the market, and you don't lock it in until you're about ready to buy a house. So uh, we have that, and and the general thought process is is that for residency, right now we're in a three a three-year residency so for three years we will have a fixed rate uh, mortgage and basically our mortgage payment will be very fixed which is works out great since our our uh, funding is basically very very uh, flat um, and then after we get out of our residency if we get a job then great if we go to fellowship then we can you know we probably might have to move for that and so then we can sell the house or we can refinance the house in either situation. And then we don't have to worry about the vari- variable interest rate on the house. So that's essentially why we did it, because we don't anticipate being in-house for greater than five years without either refinancing it or selling it. We basically found a particular lender that our realtor had recommended and just asked them about it. And the, the pre-approval process is pretty straightforward. They, they take your estimated annual salary and then they do a credit history check and then that's it they give you a pre-approval that's not of course the end of the process it's always it's kind of funny when uh, i think someone mentioned oh it's really quick and easy to get a pre-approval and like, yeah pre-approval is basically nothing um <laughs> but with like when you close a loan they they do like what feels like a colonoscopy level search of everything with <laughs> it's like all your bank statements all your um your tax taxes. forms and your pay if you had you know you got paid at some point you got your pay stubs you got to send in you i mean it's it's pretty it, it pretty invasive in a way um and then you go to sign like 100 pages of documents <laughs> so <laughs> whereas it, selling a house it's only like three it's uh, ridiculous yeah it's there's <laughs> definitely a night and day difference between the two so that's we we got the pre-approval, which again is no big deal. Uh, this is a I think a loan that works pretty well for us um, in our situation. Again, not financial advice, but if you are um, a medical student transitioning into your residency year and you or just a resident and you want to transition to get a house, um, our general thought process is that houses are cheaper on mortgages than rent, um, generally speaking. So. Um, that's the kind of way we go. And it also kind of builds um, it builds up an asset that you could possibly sell so that as or, you... Or as turn you, into a rental. Or turn into a rental. Especially mm-hmm. this particular location, uh, Fort Bragg is very close by. And so obviously military families are moving in and out of the area. Um, and they might be looking for rentals for their state, you know, duty station uh, stay. So there's that's that, another... And then there's the residents. Um when we were looking at programs, there was one program that they had set up um, between the residents, kind of where they had homes that they transitioned from resident to resident, or that f- previous residents had rented, rent bought, and then are renting out. And so, the, you, when you were moving into the area, they already had these homes that were available to either rent or buy, and they kind of had made their own like process. Yeah, I, I don't think this. This, this program, program has doesn't. this, but other, other programs do. Uh, that kind of brings up, uh, I think, an interesting point just because of the finances of buying a house <laughs> and versus renting. Uh, but I think it, we can draw it back to uh, our process of looking at programs in general. Uh, we 
we we started it uh, off a little bit differently. I think some students, some students, of course, looked at uh, their board pass rates. Like, did people pass the boards at the end of the program? Uh, other people looked at prestige of the program. Uh, others just looked at, do I want to live in a city? Um, we looked at it as there was a little bit of that. I mean, we definitely looked at programs that uh, we we maybe passed on programs that were on probation. We probably passed on programs that. Um, uh, we thought we were a little bit too out of our league, you know. Uh, you know, like John Hopkins wasn't really on in my league, and and a few other more prestigious programs were definitely not in my league, so we didn't apply there. Um, but we we really looked at the cost of living um, aspect of things, and we talked. About, I think we talked about this in the past, but I think this is where it's kind of coming into play because there are definitely cities where cost of living, especially for a family, uh, we are a family, so that's what we're going to kind of focus on. Uh, cost of living for a family is incredibly high, especially uh, you can't really rent an apartment, you know, a three-bedroom apartment for less than $2,000 a month. Well, that makes it very difficult on a resident salary of $54,000 a year. Um, so it becomes really difficult when you're trying to find adequate housing for your entire family when you don't have a whole lot of money. Um, so... Uh, and even buying a house or buying property of any sort in those areas is, you know, incredibly difficult because let's say like you take a location, maybe uh, maybe the cost of living is higher, so they pay a better salary, but the salary is like maybe 62000 a year with, you know, then you take out the taxes and whatnot and you end up, you take homes around, I don't know, four, I'm throwing some numbers out here, 4500 but there's no houses available for less than 300,000. No, no houses that you would want to live in for less than 300,000. And that puts your mortgage rate, you know, mortgage at like north of 2,000 a month. So already half of your take home income is being absorbed into your mortgage. And then the rest of, you know, your gas, your insurance and um, food costs all have to be, you know, taken into account. And then like you could be basically living very much paycheck to paycheck, which I know a lot of a lot of people our age or younger um, tend to live paycheck to paycheck anyway. But like you 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 want to be able to transition out of that. I mean, if you want to be a good financial person, like you don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. You don't want to right. worry and about your bank account going to zero, especially when you have like depending. in our case five five little mouths that want to be fed. Uh, <laughs> you you don't really want. To be like, oh, can I feed them next week? Uh, <laughs> your your priorities are, I think, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir in this regard of anyone who has a family and has kids. Like, you know this. Like, you don't want to worry about where you're going to find the next meal next week. You want to have enough money. You want to be decent financially that you've budgeted so that money is available for needs next week. And so that's kind of where it came into the cost of living we did a lot of work when we looked at programs at, at geographical regions. We would punch into, I think, a cost of living estimator. Yeah. And we would look at, okay, well, how, how higher is the cost of living in this particular zip code as compared to uh, our current zip code? And we kind of use a barometer. Like we make you know this amount of money here with student loans and everything. But um, knowing that there was a local residency program that, basically paid about what we were living on so we just kind of used that as a barometer and now if the cost of living was like two percent higher and the salary was about the same we could probably make it work 
but and there were some cases where it was like ten percent higher or eight percent, and then the the salary wasn't that much greater because we would look at the published uh, PGY one salaries on uh, either residency explorer or match a resident, um, and if it wasn't higher and basically the cost of living skyrocketed, we knew we were basically upside down. We, we would be basically spending more money than we bring in, and we would be broke. So like cities like Miami, New York City, uh, really became out of the question for us. Yeah, because going back to Washington was mostly out of the question. I think Spokane was, was doable, but... Seattle. <laughs> Seattle, Portland, Oregon. Like We have family in, in Washington, so we looked, but that wasn't possible. And that's where I think I would maybe make a caveat. And it's like, okay, well, if you are going to a city where you already have resources available to you where like you have family or friends and you could live in there you know, they have room available for you or someone's going to help you out a little bit like you're not going to have to completely reinvent the entire wheel well then that's much more you know that that lowers the cost of living in some regard whereas like if you're just going to be a single family unit with no support when you first get there well then you might want to consider finances as a component and again this is where singleness um kind of has an advantage uh if you were single like you could make you could live just about anywhere you know you could find a spot maybe not always the nicest but you can find a spot if you're single but if you're a family you don't always have the best opportunities available to you for housing um I, so this is just my, my kind of cautionary tale. I, I, we've, we have some friends that are, of course, looking. They got into a program. They're very excited. I think it was his, his – I think it, technically he liked the program a lot, but he didn't rank it very high because of, like, cost of living co considerations. But he ended up getting – he ended up matching there. And he was – you know, it's going to be an awesome program. He thought it was, like, one of the strongest programs on his list. It's just other factors made him rank it a little bit lower. Um, and – the cost of living in this city is just crazy. <laughs> He's having a very hard time finding a place to live. They're looking at condos, looking at townhouses, and uh, anything that's reason trying to find something reasonable. But like buying a place, it's like, well, you really can't buy anything for less than, um, you know, that is less than three hundred thousand, which I think ends up working out to be north of two thousand a month um, in mortgage costs. And then, of course, I don't know what the rent is in certain places. I don't know what, oh, not rent, um, insurance, uh, insurance costs or taxes in certain locations. Cause they obviously, it's some, dependent on flood areas or yeah, insurance. Or, is, yeah. Insurance is like, Oh, how many claims are generally made in this area based off of like environmental or crime or other factors? Yes. Cause, cause like our insurance in Washington for a home was very low. It was like $600 a year. So that was like $50, 50 a month. A month. So and there's no way we're going to get that anywhere close to here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's like flood, you know, storms, floods, fires. I mean, I haven't heard too many forest fires in the southeast, but I guess they do happen. But obviously, we get a lot of rain. There's like hurricanes that flow through here. Uh, so tornadoes. <laughs> um, I don't know about North Carolina, but that seems to be an insurance thing. Uh, obviously, taxes as well. Property taxes are a main way why uh, where, where cities fund their schools, and so some people spend a you know they tax the property very high, and so you could end up paying. Uh, I don't know. Around in North Carolina, it seems like it's around 
2100 down to i think the lowest i've seen is 12,000 12 sorry 1200 sorry 1200 a year so that that's uh, usually how mortgages work that gets um whenever the tax bill comes which is like about twice a year that money gets put into you know that um, that just charged to your you, you you don't have to pay it twice a year per se uh, it goes uh, you, every month you put money away into an escrow account which is automatically done by a bank you don't have to do usually do not do anything like this that that money gets basically lumped into the escrow account and then when the tax bill comes the tax bill gets basically um, the money gets paid out of the escrow into the taxes so every month you do pay uh, basically a portion of your tax bill um, Usually you pay it before the tax bill shows up, and then then the tax shows up. Then you go that money disappears, and you basically rebuild the account. Uh, that's generally how the mortgage system seems to work. Um, but you know, twenty one hundred that ends up being a good amount of money. Obviously, twelve twelve hundred is like a hundred dollars a month, no big deal. Um, twenty one is a bit more. Uh, so all these things you kind of have to keep in mind. Like it's not just what am I going to do to pay for the interest and principal of my loan. It's actually all these other things that as signing on that dotted line for that house, you also have to pay for it as well. And then you're also a homeowner, so you should consider, hey, things break. Uh, set, so, set aside, set aside some money. Like, like, oh, if that pipe breaks, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you might get a plumber out there to fix it. So that's gonna cost some money. If um, the roof ends up is in bad you know, disrepair when you buy it, and you have to consider the fact that it might wear out and have leaks and you don't want that either. So you, you there's definitely things you have to consider as a homeowner uh, to put money aside. And this is, I mean, you're a homeowner, but this is true for also for landlords as well. So that's, but when you rent, that's all priced into the rent. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have, as a tenant, you don't technically have to work for, deal with that, but you are paying for that. Uh, which is, I think is always funny. Some people are like, oh, well, renting is cheaper than mortgage. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> they are paying you are paying the mortgage plus uh the extras and then the landlord is making a profit so like there's a lot of a lot of hands in that pot so that's why we tend to like to own our homes if we can we didn't do it in georgia just because there's no such thing as professional loans for medical students right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, that's what we're kind of we're, we're working on buying a house um so let me, let me say rewind uh so when you're looking at residency programs to apply to, I, I apply to 177. So 177 uh, internal medicine programs, 10 orthopedics. I think that might be the first time I said that out loud. Um, so there's a reason for that 10, and there's a reason for the 177, and we will probably address that in a later episode. But my, my point of mentioning the numbers is that we looked at cost of living as a primary mover for where we applied to programs and there was 177 programs that in places that we felt like we could afford as a family of seven so uh as i'm saying like oh yeah definitely look at cost of living just realize like there are plenty of places out there you can live yes. <laughs> and and afford to live and attend residencies at programs you're not limited to like three you know you're not you're not banking on everything being in Iowa or Ohio or yeah. Indiana. And then there were certainly states we, we eliminated off of our list uh, just because we didn't want to live in that area. I, I'm trying to think of which ones. Like what? New York. New York for sure. Um, it was it was the cost of living. And we I think we applied to a couple in New York. They were more like Buffalo. Yeah. But 
like the taxes are really high. It's just not maybe the best state for us. Uh, maybe it's a great state for you. I don't know. Uh, I think New Jersey ended up not being really in our list either. Um, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, there's lots of cities that we kind of like, eh, I don't know if we want to live there. Uh, there's a lot of drawbacks that we hear about that maybe we just don't want to be around. So there were cer certainly programs that we avoided um, and regions that we avoided for other reasons other than cost of living. Um, so, and we got ended up getting to about 177. We used match a resident and used their, um, I think their match criteria scores and they score everything from 100% to, you know, I think down to 50 of how much you, you meet the uh, profile of their residents. And so we applied to, I think we only really got into like the mid 70s. I don't, I don't even think we made it to the mid 70s. I think we made it to 80s. Um, oh, okay. And then we added some programs that like we weren't did. on there, but we figured we had a shot. And we got interviews at a couple of those programs. Yeah, and that was because we knew that previous Trinity students had either matched there or interviewed there. So we knew that we did have a shot at those, uh, even though the algorithm didn't say that we did. Yeah. So uh, it, it worked for me in this regard. Like I got 10 interviews, and I know people who have gotten more. Um, I think if you have better stats than I do, um, you will probably get more interviews. Um, if you uh, are good, you know, write a good personal statement. Again, the personal statement, I, I think I've said before, uh, it, if you write a really bad one full of grammatical errors, then that could probably kill you a little bit. Um, but... If you write an average one, programs will just shrug their shoulders and then move on to other parts of your application that they like or dislike. It's not going to make or break your opportunity for an interview. But if you write a really, really good one, it can open, I think, doors that may not have been available to you before. Especially in, in my situation, I, I definitely felt like a lot of, um, I've said this before, I'm going to say it multiple times, I think, I think my personal statement being very family-focused and very... Uh, family uh, oriented it opened a lot of doors for me in programs that were oriented in that that way whereas I think other people who might maybe didn't focus quite as much on family had other doors open to them and I think that's totally fine it's however you want to approach the problem uh, you know the, the the goal of getting interviews I, I just approached it in this particular way and I felt like all my 10 of my options uh, at least provided me a good opportunity and I felt like a great environment for me and my family. So I, I think I basically think it's definitely possible to do all this stuff. And then you can still look at programs and their past boards, past rates. You can still look at, uh, is this a you know prestigious program? Because I think those are going to show up on your list anyway. And therefore, like you hopefully get a bunch of interviews and programs that you can afford to live at. Because <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, like, you can get in a great program, but if you can't afford to live in anything more than a cardboard box, then that's just that's going to be a really rough three years. Because uh, generally speaking, salaries are fixed at the beginning of the year, and they they're not changing. And you can't moonlight. You can't so like it. Not you can't moonlight until like your second or third year in some programs. So it, it makes it really hard to expand your income if you ever like oh man i need like a couple of extra thousand dollars or a thousand dollars a month would really go a long way like now and then you work in some programs 80 hours a week so like where are you going to find time to do a side hustle like uber drive uber drives or dashing or anything like that so something to consider um if you have a family and 
uh, your wife, like in Canada's case, Karen stays home with the kids and she's got a, her hands full with all five of them. So uh, sending her to work, uh, I think it was certainly a possibility in some locations, but like not the ideal. Yeah. And we'll talk about this more when we talk about how we ranked programs because it was something we considered and we considered what areas we would be willing to do that in. Because um, I think a lot of our um, thought process with homeschooling is <laughs> the school systems that we are around and the choices that we have available to us. Oh, there's Evie making a presence now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's the center we're at right now. We're still hunting for houses. It's it's a bit of a grind. It's I think renting has an advantage over this process in this fact that you just find a house that you find you can live in for a little bit send in your application and then wait for them to you know, basically respond and then you pay your deposits and go. Um, whereas this house home buying thing is we set, we, we get a kind of a crop of houses. We look at them. We try to find, okay, is this, is this something that we want you want to buy? I think when you end up wanting to buy something, it, it, you get more pickier, I think in some regards. And so, we find houses that we want to buy. A realtor goes out and looks at it. He puts us on a video call. We look at it virtually through the video call. We go, okay, yes, we want to make an offer on this. And then we draft an offer, send it to the person. Um, and then we've, we've actually put one offer in on a house and uh, got rejected very recently. Um, and well, we've, anybody would reject if you have an all-cash offer versus a loan yeah, offer. Yeah, we, we, were, we were competing against basically just green money. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's like... Yeah, would you would you rather sign a whole bunch of documents and have appraisals and everything like that, or would you want this big old bag of money? Well, I think uh, the big old bag of money for the same amount of you know that the other person offered is much more advantageous. So yeah, we lost of that one. Uh, we are we of course have been looking at other houses in the meantime because we weren't really just we knew that one was going to be pretty stiff competition anyway, and so we've been looking at houses, trying to consider which ones we want to put offers on. I think a few places weren't available for looking at houses until this weekend, so it's been a lot of kind of waiting until the weekend to look at a house and then deciding on whether we want. Anyway, it's it's a long process, kind of protracted. We're trying to get something offered and the contract signed so we can start moving forward. Uh, Eventually, I think we want to actually see what this place looks like yes uh, we've never been to north carolina that i'm aware of and nope. <laughs> so definitely never been to fayetteville so we are hoping to get a good look at what the place looks like uh our realtor is been a, i think he's a native to the area and so he knows all the good neighborhoods and he's been very good about at least telling us where the good neighborhoods are so we've been reliant on him i just would like to be able to put eyes on things i think sometimes it changes when you can see things for yourself yeah um so, yeah, looking for a place to live, um, and then we've just been packing up stuff and getting all the kids' doctor's appointments in because we know we're going to have to find a new pediatrician when we move. And then, um, what else have we been doing? Eric cleaned out the garage. We yeah, cleaned out the freezer. Tackling one room, <laughs> one room at a time, trying to make things work. Uh, We've a few friends have come over and had their cars needed some work, so we've t- taken care of that. Uh, just kind of a nice side hobby there. Um, kind of breaks up the, the stuff to be able to fix something that you know you can fix. Um, we've still kind of waiting for more information from the program, at least as far as like documentation comes. So 
Uh, we got a greeting from them, which was nice. I was glad to glad to have a greeting from the program. Like they they acknowledge that I am going to be an intern with them, and they are excited. I'm excited. Uh, I'm just wanting to kind of get the ball rolling because there's going to be a lot of my opinion, my thought is there's probably going to be a lot of paperwork that needs to be sent in for credentialing, and so I can hit the ground running and work as a, a resident doctor for them. So I'm eagerly waiting for their paperwork <laughs> that they need, need me to sign and fill out uh so at least we're getting that done and i don't i would really want to avoid doing that all within the last few weeks while we're trying to move you know that's that that can make things rather difficult uh so i'm hoping to hear something more from them soon and yeah uh, just helping a lot of friends a lot of friends have basically left and they're going off to their programs or they're going back home to their, their family uh, the parents and spending the the time with them and before they start their residency, uh, I think a couple people are taking vacations. Um, so everyone's kind of scattering to the wind, <laughs> which is a little sad because you know you build a community and then suddenly match day happens and everyone is you know it's very exciting. Everyone gets to go to the next stage of their uh, training. And that's all great. We all, you know, we're going to do that too. But then everyone just kind of leaves. And that's, it's a little sad, but it's, uh, you know, that's just the way medical school works. Um, no one, you can't stay in, in medical school and everyone can't stay in one spot forever. So we are looking forward to the next stage. Um, but there's still a few good families hanging out in the area. So we're, we're just kind of happy to be around them. Uh, so looking forward, I think we've talked about last week and, uh, the week before, and I, I think long ago I mentioned that there's a podcast episode that I recorded with some people, uh, that I wanted to edit. I'm still working on the edit, so I'm hoping to get that out here soon. And then I'm hope thinking that, uh, as we do our updates as things go, cause this is becoming a little less medical updated and a little bit more, uh, we, you know, transitioning into residency, but we're not quite a resident yet so uh i don't know how interesting it is for the audience to listen to us talk about packing <laughs> up a house you know everyone has moved at probably at least once in their lifetime uh so it you kind of know the drill what works for you what doesn't so we're hoping to maybe focus in on some of the process the last few months uh as i've, I've said before we had to be a little bit more um selective how we spoke about certain things because uh, at the end, I wanted to match, and I didn't want to spoil any opportunities for me to match. And but now, now that we have matched, I think it's good that we go back and look at certain uh, parts of the journey that we went on, and comment a little bit more candidly about it. So I think that's what we're going to do in the future episodes, and maybe we'll get a few uh, other students in and talk about their process as well. Because like obviously, I'm not the only one that matched from this school, and there's still people around that uh, I think would like to talk about it. So. That is the process. Uh, that's where we're at. And so if you want to talk, I have a question specific to this process. You can send this through MedFamilyMD on Instagram. Uh, we do get questions from time to time. Uh, not always stuff related to the show, but just questions regarding uh, one of this area of Warner Robins and, and med school. So we're always happy to try to help as much as possible. And then... Um, you can follow us on any of the podcasting, subscribe to our podcast on any of the major podcasting sites, uh, Apple TV, or not Apple TV, Apple Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> Spotify, and Amazon. Um, you should be able to be found there. So appreciate you guys listening to us, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good day.